Welcome back to How I Deal, where we examine a single pass-close deal, how it played out that way, and hopefully provide some realistic sales tips that you can use in your deals today. My name is Taylor Dollop, full cycle account executive, now content guy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Junior Latte, the deal magician here at Pickle. June, how's it going? It's episode 43, and everyone is needing a little magic in their deals today. Not sure where magic comes from, but the recent release of Hogwarts Legacy has got me feeling like it's probably out there. So let's try to channel that and find that for our deals today. (laughs) Hogwarts Legacy shout out. Quick explainer for those who are tuning in for maybe the first time. Like we said at the top, every conversation, we want to dive super deep from the beginning of a deal where maybe they pop up in your CRM or you discover them through LinkedIn, all the way to getting that final signature and kicking off implementation. Joining us today is Cassandra Freeman. She has been in some very notable Utah company sales teams, such as New Skin, climbing the ranks at Weave, and even doing some really big things as the SVP of partnerships and channel sales at Okavu, which rebranded through an acquisition. I'm sure that was an interesting thing to be a part of with now Velocity Access, where she's currently the VP of sales. Cassandra, give us an interesting fact about you, and then of course, the problems that you solved today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. An interesting fact about me is I have two dachshunds. They're the light of my life. I shouldn't say that. I have a husband as well, and he's great. (laughs) My dogs are my thing. And so they actually take up a lot of my time. And so I've made them their own kind of like social media accounts. Right now, they have about 11,000 followers on TikTok. So when I'm not selling or working. I'm probably trying to like get them to do a funny dance online. One of my dogs actually, Owen, the first one I got, I had won him through a sales incentive on a sales floor about (laughs) four or five years ago. So great things come from being in sales, sometimes even your dogs. Tell us about, about Velocity Access and maybe the problem it solves as well. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, with our company, we had just gone through this acquisition. We were previously Okabu, where we focused on 3D and augmented reality. And in the past year, a little over a year, we had introduced Web3 products doing everything from digital wallets to NFTs, coins, things like that. So with this acquisition, what we're focusing on is being able to utilize blockchain in a way that actually provides real world utility. So less kind of focusing on the hype of buying NFTs to just resell them and coins and everything and more being able to utilize blockchain to be able to provide solutions like ticketing, gated content, access to events, concerts, sporting games, things like that while having the security that blockchain provides, being able to control that secondary sale that right now 
Ticketmaster and StubHub and all those giants are under fire for and really be able to utilize that. So it can provide more analytics, insights to marketing teams, but also that additional security and some further benefits as well. You get more than just scanning a regular QR code. Love to hear it because I think a lot of the hype was like, yeah, like you mentioned, buying and selling NFTs, like trading them, which I dabbled with myself. Although you're the expert to this conversation, so we're going to take it a little bit slow for all the listeners, myself included, just to make sure like we're grasping (laughs) what you're selling here because it can be a pretty complex topic. But talk to us about the deal that you're walking us through today. Yeah. When I first started at Okavu, we had just finished creating this Web3 product and we had actually had some contracts finalized with some big companies like Brigham Young University with someone we were going to launch with at the end of the summer. But we didn't have any clients that we were like ready or had in place to launch sooner. And so with us having this target at the end of the summer, bringing on these bigger clients, it gave us quite a bit of time to try and get it out there first. You don't want your first launch of the product to be at a large organization like a university and have it not go well and things like that. Yeah, that put us in an interesting spot to just try and see what we could do. Where I was coming on as the SVP of partnerships and channel sales, Everything I had done was in sales. They really wanted a sales-focused person to get our partner program started, but also try and turn some of the partners themselves into paying customers, which we actually I ended up doing with some Fortune 500 companies later in the year. But we really wanted to get this Web3 piece sold already. And so this was actually the first Web3 deal I sold, which was also the first money in we had on the product. So it was exciting for everyone in the company. Got to love the first money in. Always a huge deal and a huge lift of the company. So it makes sense to, to walk through this one. So let's start at the start, right? Like, How did you find out about this opportunity? Maybe what research did you conduct before reaching out? Yeah, so I had found out about this company just through looking through old partners that had really never produced anything. To be honest, I was just looking for partners that we could like reinvigorate to get them to push referrals out to us. I wasn't necessarily looking for someone to sell the Web3 product to right then. With this, I was able to go find some partners we hadn't talked to in a bit and also weren't really producing. And of course, with the launch of this Web3 product, it was a really great opportunity to just get in front of them again and say, hey, remember us? Well, here's it an extra feature we had that we didn't have before was a really good way to just start a conversation fresh with people who had previously known what the product was or what we were selling before and give us a second chance. What does, I'm familiar with partnership sales. I've never done it myself, but what constitutes a partner here? What does a partner mean or do for you before collecting revenue from them? 
right? Yeah. So partners, it can, there's a lot of different types of partnerships. I mean, the easiest one that comes to mind is, of course, referral partnerships. Hey, we have common clients. If you see a use here, send them to us. We'll sell them too. But we also have like technology partners that we're looking to integrate with. And then again, as we share customers, like they see more of a mutual benefit, kind of helps both of our platforms be able to do more. And then we also have like these agency partners, which this one was more like that, where they were like a marketing agency and they have a lot of different clients. They're trying to think of cool things they can do, everything from like entertainment to just getting the word out with marketing, but they need to have systems in place to be able to provide that. So all this, I guess, prior research, prior partnerships, this background context, at some point, you got to reach out and get your foot in the door or kick something off. Like what did maybe prospecting look like or that initial outreach? And how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So I had done what I had always done when I was a sales rep myself, because this was also my first stint in being in partnerships and whatnot. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, we got a couple partners that are doing some things, but realistically, we need to find a lot more. We need to catch a wide net, but we also need to get some quick movement. So to me, the easiest thing was to go through, like I would with sales, I'd always go through like deals that were closed lost from a year and a half ago, two years ago. We've got a little bit of an idea of who we are, but By then, you probably come up with something new, have some new update that it's a little bit easier to get a conversation started. So I applied that here with partnerships, went through these old partners that maybe we had an agreement with them to do referrals, but they never actually produced anything. No one had talked to them in a long time to really just get some quick conversations going. And so going through them. I had scheduled a bunch of partnership meetings just with intros from maybe if they had talked to the CEO before or one of the co-founders before, because we were a startup. So previous to me being there, there was no one in partnerships. So I was able to just get some intro started, had a good reason to talk to them with this new Web3 product and use that as my way to get in the door. You make a really good point here, right? Leveraging the previous owner of the partner. And I'm like thinking in more broad terms, like there's accounts that get handed over to me, other account executives worked it. Would it be the worst thing in the world, even if they didn't make a ton of headway to like Mm -hmm. have another AE intro me, have the co-founder intro me? It sounds like you did a lot of that. So what's like the best way to go about asking internally for the referral and then like actually getting the referral because... I've asked in the past and then like, I don't hear anything back. I'm like, do I follow up? It's kind of awkward. What do you do? What's best case here? Yeah. Always try to get that warm intro or that referral if you can. Obviously, if you're dealing with, you're a sales rep or an individual contributor and you're asking another sales rep to, hey, remember that deal you had that didn't go through a year ago? I want to sell it now. It may not may not work out well for you. But I mean, if there's someone who like I've had ones where my leader or someone who is in the same position as me got promoted, I'm going through their old pipeline. Obviously, you don't want to kind of churn and burn these really quickly. So I'm digging through like 
two years ago or something. So that way I also have enough new information that the conversation seems worth it. But now that person's not in the same position as me, of course, they're going to want to help out. A win for the team doesn't matter if it came from myself or a different rep. So, you know, I would go through a lot of people that were either promoted or something. So that way I could get that warm intro. If you can't get that warm intro, because it's like a deal that another account executive had dumped and they're still in that role, definitely go through any notes you can that they have in the CRM, whether you're using Salesforce, HubSpot, where you may not get that like actual warm intro from the rep itself, but you can pull little pieces of information that almost feel like there is that familiarity there. Like, hey, I remember you were talking to someone on my team a couple of years ago, and I know you guys had this interest in this feature that we didn't have yet. Great news is we have that now. Would love to walk you through it. So even though I didn't get the intro from the other sales rep, there's still that familiarity that I know bits of what happened before and it's not going to be a whole new thing where they have to feel like I'm going to try and reteach them everything they already knew. So referrals happening, these conversations are taking place, at least your foot seems like it's in the door. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, you've got that initial meeting, right? Maybe it's discovery or some kind of pre-qualifier. But in this case, what did that first meeting look like? What did you learn from it? And maybe what kind of problems did you surface? Yeah. So that first call was the discovery call, almost on both sides. We were reintroducing us to them with this new product. And also we were seeing what they were up to, what type of clients were they servicing right now? Was there anything they felt like they were missing in the systems they have that would take their customers farther? So from that call, where it initially started, we were just looking to maybe get some new referrals from them or get them interested in pitching us more. We realized that they did have a lot of clients, but some of the clients they were servicing were larger ones. It's going to take a longer conversation there and or maybe further out. But they had actually this really interesting group of clients that were starting to create these metaverse worlds. And so while we're talking about new tech, we've got Web3, Metaverse, all this stuff that's like new to so many people. And these clients may not necessarily know how to use it, but they're starting to get these ideas of, should I be looking into that? Everyone's talking about it. Should I be looking into that? So they had these smaller clients that were they were creating these Metaverse worlds for. And so we felt that, of course, Web3 NFTs and being able to use that is, is going to go pretty well in a metaverse world. While you're in that world, walking around, exploring this whole new digital arena, it makes a lot of sense for the experience to give them something where it's not necessarily metaverse isn't Web3 and Web3 isn't metaverse, but they go hand in hand really well. We saw that really interesting aspect of what they were doing. But again, with these smaller clients, where they were already dumping all this money into this new thing, creating these like digital worlds, they weren't necessarily also wanting to like gamble and dump double the amount of money to add NFTs to it. They were already 
getting their kind of like toe in the water for this, this new thing that they weren't feeling, okay, this is already a gamble here. We can't really spend the money to now add this other new thing, kind of foreign thing to it as well. So that was both the opportunity we saw, but also the challenge we saw of this is a great fit, but these people aren't necessarily going to have the spend or be willing to pay to gamble on two new things at once. I've got a question and it's when you go into this type of conversation where it is a product that's so new or an experience that's so new, right? Like pickle is not new. Mm -hmm. And so people get the idea. They know like, okay, I need to review my conversations. What's the value there? So how much of your conversations was education versus like not necessarily selling because it's not so much selling, but like moving the deal forward closer to like a buying position because it's one thing to be educated about it. And then another to be evaluating it for its true impacts and what it can actually deliver. Yeah, it's definitely even more education heavy when you have a new kind of like idea, new tech that's coming into the industry. So before when I was working with systems that people were used to, like with Weave, we're a communication system. If I'm talking to someone who doesn't know texting, then we've got a whole other problem. Like it wasn't... you were still educating in ways that they could use it or educating in ways of like how people are utilizing it in the industry, but you at least had that base knowledge. With this, a lot of times there's either no base knowledge or there's kind of just their first impression, which again, with Web3 and NFT, like we saw everyone's first impression was One, it was confusing. So I probably had to get explained to me 10 times before I understood. But two, it was also initially just this like social media hype thing where people were like, oh, let me buy this digital artwork to feel like I have status here and then try to resell it for money. So we weren't trying to utilize NFT or blockchain technology in that way. We were trying to use the technology behind it to be able to provide world value. So it was more education or almost trying to like re-education, re-educate them on what they thought they knew to this new piece, but you still have to get that conversation moving forward. So while you're doing the re-education, you really need to make sure you know what these like companies are doing or their focuses are on. I mean, discovery is always important, but here it was hugely important because this is, if I can tie it to some initiative they have or some need they have, then like they may not need to understand every single mechanic of blockchain or Web3 or NFTs. But if I can also give them a real world utility of how they can use it for their customers, then it doesn't really matter like how they're getting it. So a lot of education, but on the sales side of things, like that discovery becomes like even more important than it was before to know how to bring that conversation forward and not just keep it as like, hey, here's a lunch and learn and you're going to be a Web3 expert, but they may not be buying from you if they just know more about Web3. You need to really figure out why they need that. 
I love that aspect that you brought up, like the real world utility behind something that maybe was initially confusing, right? Like this kind of boogeyman, so to speak, of like this new technology, nobody really gets it. You always get the Terminator references all the way to like, oh, this is just a fun game. But realistically, underlying technology is what's at play here and the capabilities to do that. Like you said, blockchain and things that are newer concepts, but have the potential to really take off and create some really valuable solutions is what the goal of this conversation was and the pain you were trying to surface or the problems you were trying to solve. Tell us what that looks like in action. Talk about the demo aspect or whatever that looks like when you took in, all right, here's all the pain I'm hearing or the things that we could help solve. But what did you do to like physically either show, hey, here's how we can solve it? Or what did that look like, that process? Yeah. So we we took the idea of these metaverse worlds they were creating, really tied that in with our product. During the demo, we gave them ideas or showed them how within the metaverse world, you could also have the ability to buy these NFTs, but really we're treating them more like digital collectibles, commemorating the launch of the metaverse world, commemorating the date. And with those, be able to tie that to things like reward points, incentives for fans, access, early access to exclusive like merchandise or sales, things like that. And so that was something we saw a lot of brands actually be really interested in for utilizing blockchain technology. So that went together really well. And so one of the brands they had talked to us about was actually, it was a Anna company. They're publicly traded and stuff. So it's not just some dark alley down the street or anything, but (laughs) this publicly traded marijuana company they were building a metaverse world for. And it was actually dropping on 420, as cliche as that is. And we were at the end of March. So this was like only three weeks away or so. We knew after chatting with like Dev and everything, we had had the capability to launch it that quickly, even though technically we hadn't launched our Web3 product with anyone yet. We knew we would be able to in that time. And we also knew that the marketing agency had to make a quick decision. So a lot of sales these time this size like they typically take a little bit longer, but the short notice was actually on our side this time that we were able to give them these ideas, show them like how it could be a great way to also push people to that metaverse and they had to make a decision pretty quickly and then once they did it was off to the races. That was like how we laid that demo out. And from there with Web3, there was a million different questions they had like after the fact, but we were able to get across the point of like, they knew this is like an experience they could have within their system that was more than just people walking around. It would give people more of a reason to go that they could get this commemorative thing that was going to give them discounts and reward points and things later. So how it was done was more of an afterthought to them than like the idea. So, but we really focus on getting that idea across and just making them comfortable. It's a quick turnaround, but like we've got everything in place that it be able to be done. And so with that, what we ended up doing is instead of getting them to provide more referrals, we ended up actually selling the marketing agency. Because like we said, these smaller brands couldn't 
necessarily afford the product themselves. But the marketing agency saw how this went hand in hand with their metaverse drops. So they ended up being our paid client and white labeling it to these smaller clients. And so on one, we got the sale. They looked like they had an even bigger product offering and the 420 like kickoff for their metaverse world went great and everyone was happy. It sounds like you really leaned into like the flexibility here. And honestly, the education piece, when we asked about the demo aspect, I like half expected you to be like, yeah, the demo was in the metaverse, you know, like let's take them into it, but it's okay that you didn't quite get there. Uh, I love the scope of this deal because it's pretty different than what we've typically talked about from this deal and your larger sales career. What are three tips that account executives can use to inch closer to close one? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say with sales, a lot of times, whether you're in an industry that you've been in for a long time, or you're in a brand new industry, when I came to the company I'm at now, I didn't know anything about Web3. I didn't know anything about NFTs. I'd spent six years with communication software, selling a lot of the time just to dentists. But the best thing you can do is be the expert in your industry. And so that means even if you're in an industry you've been in for a long time, constantly making sure you're up to date with the newest trends, with the newest pain points, what's going on. There's always new competitors popping up, especially in tech. The second someone has a good idea and the company's doing well, there's going to be 10 other competitors that are going to open up doing this. So you have to make sure you're always educating yourself, whether you've been in that industry for years or you're brand new to it. You just have to be able to do the work because people, it's, you don't want to be the person who can only sell because people like them. You want to be able to also have that ability to get across to these customers what this is going to do for them long-term. And so you really have to be that expert, do that work yourself. It's going to be more than just the slide decks you're getting from marketing or the quick demo video you watch of someone else. You got to put in that extra work and be that expert. Other than that, I would say one thing that also really helped me in my career is early on in my sales career, sales, it's very competitive, but I found myself like spending too much time and getting almost too emotional on looking at what other reps had compared to me. Especially when you're a newer rep, there's always going to be someone who's more seasoned and maybe getting more opportunities, or there's always going to be the person that they were next up for a demo and they happened to get a lay down who bought right then. And so not everything is going to even out in terms of opportunity. But once I stopped focusing on what other people have and started realizing, hey, I am never going to match up opportunity for opportunity with someone else. Even if you have the same amount of opportunity, people get lucky. They have a buyer versus someone who's just, yeah, I want to look into this two years from now. I just always made a point that if I saw myself paying too much attention to what someone else had, telling myself, no matter what, I'm going to get there. It's not going to be the same way. I know it's never not going to be the same way. 
But if I have to put in extra effort into prospecting my own deals, or if I have to try and sell a bigger deal to catch up to someone else, then I'm just going to need to figure that out. And then I would say, never get too comfortable. There, every day that I was working to hit a quota, I basically told myself, I'm working to make sure no one else can take my job. Especially in a climate like this where tech and the job market and everything's really scary, you always want to work as if there is someone else who would kill for your job. Because there is, like we're very fortunate, especially in sales, especially in Utah where tech does very well, there is someone who would love to be in your shoes. So you need to make sure like you're putting in the work, you're putting in the effort. And with that, that also really helped me like push through the days that I didn't wake up and want to spend six hours on the phone. You can't necessarily wake up and be prepared to take on the day every single day. But with that mentality of knowing that like, hey, if I don't do this, someone else will. Anyone is replaceable. That helped me really push through those days that I didn't have the motivation and I didn't want to do that because you're not going to want to do it every day. That's the reality. But you have to find the ways to have that grit and be able to push through it. I think these tips are so relatable, right? Like being the expert, don't focus on what other people have. And then someone does want your job, right? You just don't get so comfortable that you forget to do the things you need to do. Sandra, it's been great chatting with you. This is a a good podcast, like for account executives, exposure to other sales cycles, right? Our first web three, our first blockchain NFT chat. So thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. And just like that, another episode of How I Deal is in the books. Thanks, Cassandra, for walking us through that awesome deal and your perspective and takeaways for your sales career moving forward. And thanks, AEs, for tuning in and hopefully walking away with something super valuable. We will see you next time.